0: Our good old friend, the CW, announced that for the next four years, starting this season, they will carry a select few college football and basketball games. That could mean something for the Pac-12, just not as much as you think. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. I have no preference as to how you consume, what application you use. We're free and available on all platforms. So, I appreciate all of you out there. The CW, an outside the box expansion idea, expansion mindset, Tulane over SMU, is that something that Pac-12 should be looking at? All that on today's show. So news broke yesterday The the CW, yes, that CW, home of Live Golf's broadcast deal, home of various television shows, most of which I don't watch. I think they have like Riverdale on there. That's a popular show or at least so I'm told. I don't really know what it is. Anyway, so the CW announced that through 2026 and 2027, they would be having 50 ACC college football and basketball games shown on their network as a part of of the broadcast deal the media rights deal that espn and the acc have which runs through 2036 that ironclad agreement there so espn is going to be subleasing games to the cw now this is something that is important to understand if you're somebody who engages with which i know a lot of you are realignment media rights college football power structure that sort of landscape but is also not as big of a deal for the Pac-12, which I'll get to. But first, this this entire situation here, and I have spoken uh, with a couple people who know this stuff better than I do. This is how it has been explained to me. ESPN as a part of that contract that they signed through 2036 is like a 20 year deal. seen as historic at the time, now it's kind of an obstacle, but it's also keeping the league together. Don't really know how to interpret that. That's a conversation for another day. As a part of that arrangement, what ESPN has been doing has been subleasing games to regional sports networks, like Bally Sports, for instance. So what subleasing means is that there's one primary rights holder, right? ACC college football and basketball games are shown on ESPN. When they are the home team, the broadcast deal dictates where the games will be shown. And for the ACC, that is ESPN. Now, ESPN paid the conference for the broadcasting rights so that they could sell advertising and therefore make money or at least break even in that endeavor. They strive to do better, I imagine, than just breaking even. I don't know how easy that is to do. But what ESPN has done over the years is they have subleased games to regional sports networks. So. What that means is that ESPN still owns the broadcasting rights for the ACC, but because they own the rights, they also have the right to give that broadcast to somebody else. Now, ESPN or whatever parent company is involved there, I think Raycom Sports is kind of a, a you know, lesser known media entity that's playing a role here in the production of all these games, they're still the ones producing the games. They're hiring the crews. They have the cameras. They have the equipment. They have the broadcasters, everything like that. But the games get shown, right? Basically, the feed is picked up by the CW. So the CW is not going to be or these regional sports networks have not been putting their own people on site to produce this stuff. That's just where the games are being broadcast because in, in in the eyes of ESPN for these select games, It is better to show them on a regional sports network at a better time slot than put them on ESPN in a worse time slot or put them on ESPN plus. So the reason that the CW capitalized on this opportunity here is because there's been a big phenomenon in the media and the broadcast media space for live sports over the last few months. And that's that a lot of regional sports networks have started to flounder and bally sports i believe filed for bankruptcy because they were not able to make enough money so what espn looked at is okay we were going to show these games on those networks what are we going to do now and so the cw entered the picture and said hey espn we will pay you if you can show those games on our network and espn said that's the best option that we have available at this point in time now this is different than being a part of a media rights contract. The way that Fox or ESPN or CBS or Turner or whoever, it's different than them coming into the picture and saying, we are now a media rights partner. The CW is coming in and saying, hey, we want to be involved and we can be involved. But they're not. the CW is not a partner in the media deal now for the ACC, right? It's no longer a contract with ESPN and the CW. It's still with ESPN. ESPN is just saying, hey, we're going to put a few games on your regional network. And the CW is not required to show those games everywhere in the country. So in Utah, you might not show like the game that's going to be on there this year for for football is I think Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. And Pittsburgh is hosting Cincinnati in what is now a Power 5 non-conference battle. That game might not be on the CW in Utah, but it'll probably be on the CW in New York, for instance, or Pennsylvania. So, in essence, the CW is stepping in to fill the role that the regional sports networks were playing... As, as a subleasing partner for ESPN. Now, these sorts of arrangements are possible, you can have them, they have happened before, but they're not necessarily super common. And the reason that I say context matters here with regards to how this could impact the PAC-12 or whether or not it could at all impact the PAC-12 and whether or not this you know makes the CW uh, a more likely partner in that sense is this is a unique situation in which the CW was only given an opportunity to be able to put college sports on their network for the next several years because the regional sports networks went belly up and folded. If that hadn't happened, the CW wouldn't have been a player there. So I think it's easy to look at this headline and say, oh my gosh, maybe the CW will be a player. Maybe they will be. Maybe they will. What it does express is the CW has an interest in being a player in the sports broadcasting space. They want to be involved. They want to be part of the community. You want to be used to it. You want to have, you know, an uh, an uh, an element of familiarity with hey, we're going to go watch that game. Let's watch it on the CW, right? Scroll through channels and, you know, whatever part of the country you're in, flipping through college football games and, oh, there's that game and it's on the CW. They want to normalize that. But this is not the same thing as them saying, we are ready to be a full, you know, media member as our own entity to, uh, you know, make a bid on a conference's media rights or anything like that. This is them taking advantage of an opportunity. And clearly the CW does like sports. So maybe a next step for them is to be a partner for the Pac-12 in their view? Probably not because we haven't heard anything about them in quite some time, but we also haven't heard anything from the Pac-12 front office in quite some time. So maybe they've been keeping this all under wraps. We don't really know because as I say in the intro every day and have for many, many months now, we don't have a media deal at this point in time. So that's how it looks from the CW side of things and kind of why you know they would do that is They want to have that sort of brand where, you know, being in the sports broadcasting world, it's not unusual. It's not going to be. You're going to have a college football game on the CW in a certain part of the country this year, right? It reminds me a little bit of the streaming services, which are wanting to get more and more into live sports. Peacock is going to have an NFL playoff game. That's only on Peacock. Michigan State hosting Washington is only going to be on Peacock. When you want to get the ball rolling on these sorts of endeavors, you have to get the ball rolling. You gotta start somewhere, and that's kind of where they're at, at at this point in time. But I think it's a move by the CW represents their interest in being in the sports world, but doesn't necessarily mean that they're about to make a big splash, be a big member of or a big partner for the Pac Twelve with 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 their media rights deal or or anything like that. Now it is noteworthy, right? Like, it's it's notable. I'm talking about it because I think it is interesting, because I think it is it is noteworthy, but it is not groundbreaking news on, oh my gosh, they're making a big shift. None of this would have come about if the regional sports networks hadn't gone into uh, financial trouble there. So, anyway, if you have thoughts or questions on that, by all means, drop them in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore 12 Lots more to get to, including an outside-the-box idea for Pac-12 expansion, which I will probably like more and more as time goes on after this show airs. Now, eBay Motors is something you would like more and more if you go check it out. Because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. You got to bring in the right transfers. You got to bring in the right recruits. You got to have the right coaches. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just Right, so the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. Yeah, branding's a part of it too, hence the nature of this very read right now. Confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay. Alrighty, so here's an idea that most of you probably haven't thought of Which is why I'm going to bring it up on today's show. Because, frankly, it's kind of intriguing. It really is. It might not be to all of you, but it is to me. I'm just saying intriguing. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying it's not the worst idea in the world. Uh, This question from Paul, who sent a question in via the mailbag. Again, YouTube comments or Twitter. Hit me up anytime. Ask questions about anything and everything. Yo, dot, dot, dot. Spencer, dot, dot, dot. Why not University of British Columbia, as in Canada? You know, our neighbors to the north. The reasons that Paul lists are Canada viewers, top research university, West Coast, Canadian colleges already play in NCAA conferences. Out of the box thinking, also BC place for home football games. This is out of the box thinking. It 100% is because it's literally outside of the country. And before you go knocking on, that's ridiculous. That could never, do you think anybody said that about the Toronto Raptors, who won an NBA title four years ago, or the Toronto Blue Jays, who have a wildly rabid fan base there? You think anybody said that about about those? You can't have a team in another country, why not? I mean i mean seriously why not if you're talking about geographical proximity to you know vancouver british columbia yeah that would be the pac-12 because the state closest to that state of washington who's got this who's got the state of washington on lockdown that would be the pac-12 so geographically yeah it kind of fits is it intriguing because you could have the only university in canada yeah you'd be tapping into a market that nobody else is going after. You don't have any other conferences that are clamoring to get Canadian schools. Now, I don't know what the upside of the TV viewership for a Canadian college football team is. You know one thing I do know? Canadians are not strangers to football. It's not as if they're completely unaware of how it works or is it hockey to them? No, of course not. But I see them supporting other American sports in a big big way and I know that the Canadian Football League has long been and is currently and will continue to be a home for former American college football players a lot of really good ones who are not able to make it to the NFL now the XFL and the USFL represent challenges to that as well but last time I checked the Canadian Football League is still in business and has been for quite a long time so I think the in the the idea of having a school overseas? It's not even it's not overseas, it's over the border to the north, sure. But I find it to be an intriguing idea. And not one I think the Pac-12 should dismiss out of hand. Because what are you missing with USC and UCLA gone? And the LA television market, right? So you're looking for areas to draw in television viewers that other places are not a part of right now because the, the top two options, San Diego State and SMU, well, the Big Ten's in Southern California, the LA market, and everybody in the Big 12 and now the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma, if they're in the Dallas market, nobody, you'd be compute, competing for viewership with nobody with the University of British Columbia. Now, I of course, there's no precedent for any of this sort of stuff, right? Adding a school, from from Canada and having an international program as a part of your conference. But if the academic and cultural fit are there and the presidents would be on board with it. Like what what's what's the worst that could happen? It's a it's a Maryland or Rutgers. It brings in a geographical diversity for your conference, it brings in a TV market for your conference that wouldn't otherwise be there, and if the team is never any good then Guess what? Neither are Maryland or Rutgers. Big Ten's not in a hurry to kick them out of the league. Not trying to do that. I think it's interesting. I I I legitimately think it is an interesting idea. I'm not saying it saves the conference. I'm not saying it's a revolutionary idea. I'm saying that I was sent that question. I thought about it and came to the conclusion. Yeah. Why not? Like what? What's what's the downside? For anybody who's watching or listening to this and thinking oh that's a ridiculous idea what's the downside how how is adding a school in canada and trying to tap into that market where you know you have passionate sports fans who are familiar with the sport what what exactly is the downside there well you know would kids really want to go play there okay i think that's a fair concern would kids really want to go play there How many kids currently are clamoring, high-level recruits I mean, to go play at Washington State and Oregon State? How about before Dion showed up at Colorado? How about before Troy Taylor got just... Well, Stanford recruited a little bit better, but... Are the Arizona schools pulling in top 30 classes every year? Now, Arizona's recruiting has been very hot, as we've been talking about on the show with Elijah Rushing and the like, and they could have another top 30 class in 2024, but... If the standard is, well, they wouldn't be able to bring in players. So, when Arizona State's recruiting, I mean, bottomed out under Herm Edwards, should we have gone back in time and kicked them out of the league? Is that what it is? Is there no potential? And and by the way, look, I'd have to ask recruits about it, of course. But if they were given the same chance to make a pitch about coming to play from, do you think that American kids would, would, would not want to go to Canada for college because, well, I don't want to go out of the country. Like, number one, it's not that far out of the country. Number two, a lot of kids might want to go to Canada because I've only been there a couple times. Pretty neat place. Got a lot of beautiful scenery up there. Americans go up there on vacation all the time. I, I, I could see it. I could, I could absolutely see it. I love the question, Paul. Absolutely love it. Let's move to another one here uh, from from, and, and just another thing too. Think about this. One of the reasons I want to add San Diego State is because they're a geographical fit, and also as a Pac-12 football fan, like the prospect of having a football weekend in San Diego sounds great. If you're a Pac-12 fan, does the idea of going up to Canada to watch your team play football and then spending a few days up there does that sound terrible to you? Does that sound awful? Does that sound like something that you don't want to do? <laughs> like I know a lot of people who go up to Canada all the time. I know people who grow up in Seattle go up to Canada like twice a month. They just pop up there for a weekend cuz they love it so much. You know where they're going British Columbia, Vancouver, so anyway. Okay, this question from Aaron. Spencer, great show as always. Appreciate it. Honest question. You seem to make the assumption that the Pac-12 collectively wishes to stabilize and maintain its membership going forward. Can you clarify your thoughts on that? If it's true that the Big Ten wants additional Pac-12 schools, it's not right now, but doesn't want to directly sink the league, those two things are mutually exclusive, then any realistic candidates from the Pac wouldn't want to see the league stabilize. Instead, candidate schools would want to maximize their value until the band breaks up. That would explain the TV deal as a prerequisite to expansion in contrast with the Big 12, which plugged the holes and then set out uh, to get the best TV deal possible. So I, I don't think those two things are, are connected. I think the holdups in uh, the, the media deal cannot be fully known because we're not talking to the people who are not finalizing the deal at this point in time. But best guess is go something like this. media uncertainty with the partners that you're going to be working with, whether that's ESPN, who have just been going through a bunch of layoffs and whatnot, or Apple slash Amazon, who'd be new to the college broadcasting space and don't have a full understanding as to how this stuff works. John Canzano a while came on the show and said, yeah, that's one of the holdups is questions that take, you know, one to two hours to answer for Fox and ESPN take like a week. For, for, for these big streamers, because it's all new to them, and they're undergoing a new endeavor. That's the first part of it. Second part of it, or second, I guess, third, other guess as to why this stuff is is being held up. Pac-12 presidents and the media partners and George Klyovkov don't care what you and I think. I think we understand that pretty well. They don't care about the perception of the league. They haven't announced expansion because they know it's going to happen, and the SMU and San Diego State will say yes, no matter what. So they're trying to focus all their efforts on the media deal and they don't need to worry about finalizing paperwork to get schools into the conference and welcome in and everything like that because they can do that later and they know it'll go down. And the last thing is they're disagreeing on what the valuation of the conference actually is, which is probably a sticking point for both sides. We think it's worth this much. We think it's worth that much. But those are the sorts of questions back to Kenzana's point that can extend the conversation. right? If Apple doesn't know how to answer that quickly, it might take them a lot longer, and we could just be playing, you know, twenty questions on that front. So that's why I think there's been no expansion prior to uh, the, the announcement of the media deal, and why it will all come at, uh, at at one point in time. But back to the mindset here of the Pac-12, the the, the calculus for the Big Ten for whether or not they would want to add some combination of Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, all four, just two, three of them, I don't know whether or not they'd want to do that, I don't think that changes between now and three years from now if they decide to do it. The only thing that would change is their mentality, their mindset, whether or not they desire that. And right now, it's pretty clear. They don't want more West Coast schools. Doesn't mean they won't in the future. I have long said, we'll continue to state here on the show, the Big Ten has the power to tank the Pac-12 anytime they want. They could go offer Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, memberships in the conference at a reduced rate. And I think they would all probably jump and then you would be left with probably too few schools in Arizona, Colorado would probably hop over the big 12 and then Utah and Arizona state would take a second look at that and everything like that. And that would just cause a lot of dominoes to fall. But I think that for, you know, the PAC 12, the presidents and everyone both publicly, and from what I've read privately have stated their desire to play, to, to stay together, to continue as a conference, to add a couple schools but I think going forward they have to want stability for now but going forward beyond this round of realignment you got to be playing offense you have to be thinking about like right now once you get this deal done and let's say you know the grant of rights and the media deal is like five years or whatever five six years let's say you do that then your next step has to be, okay, who do we need to be evaluating over the next two or three years to announce as potential expansion candidates and, you know, maybe announce as expansion teams over the course of that time if the timing feels right? Because it is a dog-eat-dog world out there. Hunter and the hunted. Add in any analogy that you want. You, you are either... It's, it's Game of Thrones. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. That's what the Pac-12 should be in. Will that be their mindset? I don't think we know right now. I really don't. Because we have to see all this stuff kind of finalized, let the dust settle, see what people say, what the comments are, react to that when, when it all comes down, and then we can understand what their mindset is. But that's what their mindset should be, is stay together for now, get this thing done, finish it up, and then going forward, be ready for what we can do in the future to give ourselves the best possible chance to succeed. So I think that answers your question. If it doesn't, uh, Aaron, let me know. Uh, last one here from Isaac. Spencer, I'm a big fan of your show. Appreciate you, Isaac. I have a question. I'll have an answer. Why do you think Tulane is not higher up on the list for the Pac 12? I feel like I would take them over over SMU. So the thing with Tulane is that they've had some good years on the football field, but Remember that expansion is driven by... Who, who drives it? Who drives, who drives expansion? Oh, presidents. Presidents, right. Presidents drive expansion. Now, SMU has had a lot of down years, still trying to recover from the death penalty. But they have the money and the resources to exist at the Power 5 level and not have that be an obstacle. They have to do other things right. Money isn't everything. Just ask Texas and Texas A&M... But it is something that can help your program succeed uh, and your athletic department succeed uh, across the board, but specifically the football program. Now, Tulane is a pretty hot name because they're an AAU school. I think they're an R2 university, but uh, feel like someone who could move into the R1 classification. I might have that wrong. I was calling that off of uh, off of memory and such. But they're an AAU member, so of course that will turn heads. It's not a requirement to be in the Pac-12, but everybody except Oregon State and Washington State are members of uh, of AAU, which is the uh, American Association of Universities. It's basically a group of schools that are united in their uh, desire for certain academic, cultural, and, and and social standards, and that's something that Pac-12 presidents very much value. And so, you know, uh, Stanford, or Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and now Arizona State are all members. Of, of AU, and so does Tulane. And so that combined with a 12-win football season kind of has them as you know a, a semi-hot candidate as like, hey, could they be an expansion team? They also represent the Southern part of the country. It's not a huge market in New Orleans, but having more of a Southern footprint certainly could be appealing on that front. But I think SMU is going to get the, the edge here for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're in Dallas. I am, I am not, I, no matter how many times I say this, I don't even know why I do, frankly, because no one's, everyone's not going to get it anyway, but people love to say, SMU doesn't carry Dallas. No one's saying they're carrying Dallas. We're just saying they exist in Dallas, which is a very big place and a place that PAC-12 presidents and alumni and those sorts of people and boosters care about being a part of and having direct access to with a university. In the Dallas Fort Worth area and Dallas is more appealing than New Orleans that's the first thing second thing you have more money at SMU than you have at Tulane I think that's a factor for how competitive could their football program be and the third thing is right now SMU I think still has a larger brand as a university than does Tulane even though Tulane's a hot name had you talked about Tulane as a college football fan? Ask yourself seriously. Had you talked about Tulane as a football fan before the season? Probably not. Because the year prior, they went 2-10. Yeah, That's not a lot to write home about. In fact, their last 10-win season came in 1998. That's the last time they had a 12-win season and finished in the top 10 as they did this year. They hadn't finished as a top 25 program since 1998. So this is not a program with a rich history of winning at a high level. Doesn't mean they aren't about to become that in the American because they're poised without uh, or without Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF to be one of the best teams in there. SMU also has that sort of opportunity. But when you look at Tulane and you say, okay, they don't have a great history of winning. Well, neither does SMU, at least in the last 20 years or so. Then you're going to move on to the other factors all of which benefit SMU. And that's why I, I think right now the Pac-12 and I as well would look at the, the two schools and say, okay, both both have real potential. Both could be candidates, but SMU is probably the better option at this point in time. Because think about it from just a football standpoint. I'll wrap up with this. You're, if you're trying to get a G5 school that can be competitive as quickly as possible, the school that's going to be able to adapt more rapidly is smu because they'll be able to compete with nil they'll be able to hire coaches they'll be able to have the necessary facilities and everything like that tulane is behind them on that front and i think that's why smu is the more appealing target for now but tulane going forward i think they get left out of realignment at this point in time, and I don't know that we'd even really be talking about them in a big way if they had, you know, gone eight and four or something this season and won a bowl game that people don't, you know, watch in a big way and had beaten somebody that no one cares about. But they won the Cotton Bowl. They beat USC. They won 12 games. They finished in the top 10. That turns heads as it should. But I think before they can become an even more appealing target, they have to do that over a prolonged stretch of time. They, they have to show that over a three, four-year span, they can dominate a conference, that they can be really, really good. Because when you don't have those other factors, the way that SMU does, right, the non-football factors going for you, when you don't have that going for you the way that SMU does, you have to be able to, I think, bring it in a big way on the football field, and SMU will have a chance to do that, but they haven't done it just yet. Great questions. Love them. Keep them coming. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time, and until then, have a wonderful rest of your day.